All right, well, welcome into the Quintessential Ministry Podcast, episode one for 2021. This is uh, really fun and cool, and it's great to be back uh, discussing one of my favorite subjects, worship, today. We're going to kick the year off uh, discussing worship, and I have with me Julia Williams. Julia, would you say hello? Hello. And Julia is uh, my... She's my assistant here at Erie First, so worship and social media are the things that she oversees or communications, but um, we actually finished 2020 reading a book together called The Air I Breathe by Louis Giglio. It's one of my favorite books on the topic of worship, and so today uh, our hope is to kind of unpack some different things that we got out of reading this book, some uh, we some conversations that we've had because of it, and then also we... Um, I guess it was probably what October, November of last year. Yeah, we developed kind of the four core values for our worship team here at Erie First. And this is not to say it's the end all, be all on core values for worship teams, but just after praying about it, thinking about it, um, and kind of working together on it, these were the four things we decided our team needed to focus on going forward. So the back half of this podcast, we are going to cover that conversation, uh, kind of clue. Clue you, the listener, into that. If you're a member of the team, it'll be uh, great for review. If you're not a member of the team, though, it's also good to know where your if you go to church here first, kind of where your worship team is operating from. And I just think in general, these are good principles in, that you can apply really anywhere in your life. So mm-hmm. that will be kind of our our target today. But I'm excited to have this conversation about Louis Giglio's book. Uh, Julia, would you kick things off and just share some of the things that you got out? This was your first time through the book. Yes. Uh, This was my second time through the book, and it's been one that I kind of have kept around often um, just to reference as I've been a worship leader now for, I guess, about six or seven years. It's been a really good resource to just go back to and remind myself different things that I learned early on when I first got started in all this. Yeah. um, I think... The uh, subtitle of this book is Worship as a Way of Life, and I think that that just so accurately summarizes everything that is discussed in this book, and I think um, one of my biggest takeaways was just the way that he so accurately explains the differentiator between um, how worship overlaps in all areas of our lives, and this specifically between um, sacred and secular. And I think it's a concept that I've kind of bounced around in my head um, as long as I've been a Christian, which has been pretty much my whole life. And I just loved how he kind of walked through it. And essentially he just said, um, you can worship anything and your worship can go anywhere that you choose. Um, But when we look to the creator, when, when we look and see everything that he is, we can see that he is deserving of that worship. And I think it's just so neat to think about how every aspect of our lives um, has the potential to be this amazing worship poured out to God um, and thanks for everything that he's done for us. And I just think it's so cool to think about how everything that we do, it just gives so much more meaning to it. And um, I think a lot of times it's thought that... um, if you're not in ministry, vocational ministry, that your worship isn't as important or it doesn't hold the same weight or God looks at it differently or it might not even be worship at all if you think taking care of your kids isn't really worship or um, doing dishes isn't, isn't worship or being an accountant isn't worship. And when you look at it through this lens that Louis proposes, I think it just 
breathed so much life into our concept of worship. And I think uh, that was so encouraging to me. And obviously, I do worship as a vocation to a certain extent, but um, there's also other things that I do in my day to day. And so it's such a good reminder for me personally to just think of every aspect of my life as worship to God. Yeah, that's so good. I would propose that, um, well, I'll just speak on for me, many of the people that I um, am close with that do worship vocationally as you're speaking, Mm -hmm. um, and it's definitely my story, it's because they, this is not definitely true of every worship leader on stage, unfortunately, but I'm just speaking for some of my closest friends. Um, I think it's because they so um, passionately and unashamedly pursued worship before it was a vocation mm. that it became a vocation. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's because um, when I had a full-time job and potentially a career in the business world, but also I was taking worship very seriously and, and learning and growing in it, that God kind of opened different doors and, yeah. and walked me down a different path, you yeah. know? And yeah. I have multiple friends in, in similar stories and scenarios. So um, so I don't know. I think that is, that's not to say that if you start to take worship more seriously in your personal <laughs> life, he's going to redirect you into a vocational. But I, I think it's um, it just kind of speaks to, to what you're saying. So yeah, um, yeah I have preached... Uh, Many worship sermons. Uh, when you're the worship guy, that's the the sermons you get asked to preach. And uh, <laughs> I have preached kind of from this book or, or some of Louis's concepts. And um, you know, he says it right out of the gate so clearly. You, my friend, are a worshiper. The yeah. question is just, what do you worship? Do yeah. you worship your favorite football team? Because because worship is really just where do we devote our time, yeah. our talent, our attention our finances, yeah. right? And it, it's not to say that your football team is bad. Your football team might be bad, <laughs> but um, that's a different conversation for a different podcast. Um, but it is to say that, you know, how we prioritize those different recreational things, which are all blessings. They're not, yeah. they're not inherently bad. It's not bad to like sports or it's not bad to own a motorcycle or it's not bad to any of these things. But it's when we start to worship the creation and not the creator mm, that, thing, that things get messed up. And that, I think, is really that what Louis is trying to draw attention to inside these pages in this book, The Air I Breathe, is just we need to continually, as Christians, be checking ourselves on what, where do our priorities lie, where do our allegiances lie, and what is the most important thing, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And as we've been reading through the Bible in a year uh, here at Erie First— it has been a huge, um, what's the word? I guess just a re redirection. Person, I'll just tell you personally for my experience. Like every night before the TV goes on, I'm like mm-hmm. making sure I've read three chapters yeah. out of Genesis or whatever yeah. as we get this thing started because I want to make sure my priorities are in line, yeah. right? And so that's like just an example yeah. of of that very thing. Yeah. Um, but but as you're saying, we have the opportunities. Every single day in our daily interactions, owning a business or running mm-hmm. a business or working as an employer, whatever the case is, to worship, yeah. to offer our lives back. Romans 12, 1 and 2 in the message says, 
give back to God your everyday ordinary life. Yeah. And so that is that's across the board. That wasn't speaking only to vocational ministry. Yeah. Um so anyways, I don't know if that resonates or, yeah. or what you're thinking. Yeah, no. I think it just gives like I said before, I think it just gives so much life to what we do on an everyday and like I think of um my dad, he isn't in vocational ministry. He's never been in vocational ministry, but the way that he lives out his life and specifically his worship, like his relationship with God has grown so much through his time that he spends in worship. And I think it's just such an encouragement to me. Like I said, I, I do vocational ministry. It's a piece of what I do, but it's not everything. And so to just think that um, whatever the future for me personally looks like, my worship doesn't have to change whether or not I'm on a stage or whether or not I'm nannying kids, whatever it looks like for me. Um, it's still my life as an opportunity to bring praise and glory to God. And I think, especially when we look at everything that God has done for us, how can we not, you know? And I think just shifting our focus, like you said, it's so easy to get distracted. But when we just kind of take a step back from everything and we really look at, I think we can all say when we look at our lives, we know where our priorities should be, but it's just in those daily moments, taking a step back and remembering what we know we want our priorities to be. Right, exactly. That's so good. And I think um, you pointed it out, but that last quote, or that that last section of this book, uh, Louis says, the question we have asked repeatedly in these pages is, will your worship be spent on what matters most? If God is who he says he is, there is no competition. He is unrivaled, he is central, and he is most spectacular, most enduring. And and I think that's really what it all comes down to is like, will your daily interactions be invested on what matters most? Now, what I would say is, and I think it's just in God's infinitely deep uh, ocean of grace, the, the creations he has given us, guitars, cups of coffee, motorcycles, <laughs> just some of my favorite just things. Just to name a few random just, things. <laughs> just random things that are never on the top of my head. Those are all opportunities to recognize the amazingness of God mm-hmm. and give it back to him in worship. So yeah. I actually would, I'm not even stretching this just to justify how much time I like to spend on my motorcycle. It is personally for me, one of the places I feel the most connected to God because mm. I'm it's like me and the wind and just, <laughs> but it does, it draws me closer. I have a lot yeah. of worship playing in my ears and it just is a, a, a almost spiritual experience for me yeah. in its own way. Yeah. So it works out great that I also love to do it. <laughs> but um, I, I think of that in, in light of being a musician and playing guitar um, or, or any of those things. And so I think that the the awesome exchange that happens is that when we, choose, it's really, I wrote down, um, it's changing our filter or our frame that we look through. Mm. So if we change the filter to anything I do has the potential and ability to be worship, then you start to see God in all those blessings. Yeah. As opposed to desiring all those blessings, hoping to find fulfillment in them, Mm. they will leave you empty in and of themselves. You know, you can drink espresso after espresso after espresso and you're just hyped up, right? Yeah. But you can see how amazing all... The, I know this is almost getting like you're trying to find Jesus in your coffee, <laughs> but I, I, for real, you know, it. there is a level of 
um, seeing the gifts of God for what they are and, and giving him praise back for it, yeah. that is, it's just fulfilling, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I don't know. If you think I sound crazy, just try it. If I'm wrong, <laughs> you'll, you know, let me know. But I, I'm just telling you my experience. And when I get off, it's because I stop looking to the source and I start looking to the things that he gives, Yeah. you know? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think, um, like you're saying, like just looking for God in all of those places where we might not have necessarily been trained to look for God. But I think like, I mean, just walk outside. I mean, Erie, maybe not today. The sky's a little gray, but when you walk outside, there's just, there's so much that God gives us. And I think, um, I don't remember who said it, but uh, someone, some speaker said one time that um, she loves to walk outside and go for walks when she's feeling overwhelmed. And just because being in nature, you just feel so much of God's presence. And that personally resonated with me. And I'm sure for some people going outside and being in nature probably maybe does nothing for them. But um, I think just finding that spot, like for you, it's riding your motorcycle. For me, it's being in the woods, finding that spot where you are reminded of the greatness of God and everything and just kind of giving yourself that opportunity to remember all that he's done for you. And yeah, just put him back in the main spot where he deserves to be. Yeah, so good. So good. So if you haven't yet, I would recommend jumping online, Google The Air I Breathe by Louis Giglio and uh, purchase it. It's a great read and it's a great reminder of what matters most and kind of helps frame worship. It's definitely a starting point for me anytime um, I have worship conversations or preach a worship sermon. These are just such great reminders on the whole purpose of it. I think if you were to back way up to the original intent of Sunday morning, or I guess you're going to Colossians 3 here, they sang spiritual songs to each other. But if you're going to back way up to the original intent behind worship in church, I would propose that the original intent of singing together in church was to remind yourselves of who he is, Mm. what he does, what he promises to do, but also is literally as a church body saying we are going to set aside this moment in time to give our undivided attention to corporate worship, and then it's a reminder to take that with you for the next six and a half days. Yeah. Not to try to live off yeah. those 20 or 30 or 40 minutes for the next six and a half days, but take that with you. Yeah. So that's really yeah. what it comes down to. It's the launching point. It's not your destination. Exactly. Like It's just this, it should be this experience that just propels you into more deeper or more deep and meaningful worship with your creator. Yeah. Love it. All right. Well, then the other thing I wanted to um, just kind of speak to here with you, Julia, is uh, this this book, I guess we call it, our, our guide that we've given out to the members of the worship team that we worked on together. And uh, honestly, it's kind of our starting point for any new people coming onto the worship team as well. We like to sit with them, kind of walk through some of this, make sure they're on the same page. And even if you're not on the team, even if you don't go to our church, I think these are good and applicable to anywhere in your life. So we're going to share them with you and kind of have a little conversation about it. And if it fits, great. And, um, you know, hopefully hopefully it, it does. And then in the future, we will have this as a resource we can give to uh, incoming musicians, incoming singers, mm-hmm. and it can be a great place for them to hear kind of what our thoughts were. So I'll go ahead and tell you the four uh, priorities or the four things, and then we will kind of unpack each of them. The first one is glorifying God. The purpose of the Erie First worship team is to glorify God. You should be encouraged that that is what we declare as our main (laughs) purpose. That should be every worship team's purpose, and that one was uh, pretty easy to land on. 
Um, the second one is what we call grace for growth, and we'll get into some of why of that. But when you work with musicians, uh, like anything in life, there are people of varying skills, which means there needs to be people with varying levels of grace. So we'll, we'll talk about that. Third one, musical proficiency and excellence. Um, we'll talk about that as well, obviously, but it's not a, we're not putting on a concert, but also we don't want to be a distraction to the negative. So it's important that we know what we're doing. And then lastly is individual spiritual preparedness is what I would, what I would call it. So um, let me start with glorifying God. Obviously, that is our primary function as a worship team. That's the, I think, uh, back to when I was not serving in my church or, or on a band and I was just attending church. And I would, I think it's safe to assume your hope as a congregation member as you come in and expect the people on that stage, their point that day is to glorify God, not to bring attention to themselves, yeah. not to wear the coolest flannel they could find at TJ Maxx <laughs> or whatever, but that their goal that day was to point people to Jesus, really to disappear up on that stage. And I tell people on our in our band all the time, we're just here to facilitate a situation. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how I view it. There are people coming in, their goal is to worship God with everything that they have. We're here to help create an atmosphere for that to happen to also participate in it, but we are not putting on a show or, um, yeah, we're, we're just here to participate and facilitate this situation, yeah. as I call it, where people are meeting Jesus um, corporately as a church body. So that's yeah. really kind of, I don't know if you have anything to add to that, but that's really kind of yeah. the heart behind it. I think one thing that I was thinking when you said that, and I mean, we, we have it right here in our booklet, but uh, I think you put this phrase together that God will be glorified at Erie first. The question we all have to ask though is, was God glorified through me or was God glorified in spite of me? And I think, um, kind of going back to our earlier conversation about worship, like it has such huge potential to be this amazing, um, worship that's poured out to God and thanks for all that he's done for us. And that will happen, the question we have to ask as people who are leading others in worship is, was that done with me? Was I a part of that? Did I engage in that? Or was that done in spite of whatever I brought on that Sunday morning that wasn't of God? Mm-hmm. Well, and honestly, that's true of people in the congregation. Yeah. The question, you know, church. I, I've heard it said there's a lot of different church services happening in yeah. one church service. There's the person who's having an amazing moving experience, and there's the person rolling their yeah. eyes same service. That's good. Going to yeah. have different outcomes, right? And so the question you can ask yourself if you're not on a member of the worship team or a musician or any of those things, but you're coming into a worship experience, whether it's at this church or any church, the question you can ask yourself is is God going to be glorified by his church coming together through me? Will I participate in that mm-hmm. or in spite of me because my arms were crossed, my eyes were rolled, my attitude yeah. was bad, my critical spirit was on high alert, you know, all those <laughs> things? You know, um, we all have a role to play. The question is, will we play it? Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. All right. So then will you uh, talk a little bit about this grace for growth idea and kind of where some of that came from? Yeah. So I think our goal in this was just that, like you said earlier, we have a lot of different people coming to our worship team at different stages. And I think um, we would be mistaken if we discounted someone just because they're earlier in their musical journey or worship journey um, than someone who's maybe been doing it for a really long time. And so I think our heart in this is obviously, it's God's heart too. He gives us so much grace. And so 
we wanted that to just be a key priority for the worship team that um, wherever someone's at in their journey with worship, um, at leading it or engaging in it um, from a team perspective, that we would just give them so much grace and help them along the way. And I think um, one key thing that we pointed out was that uh, grace for growth doesn't necessarily mean that we just ignore if there's an issue per se, maybe not even an issue, but just an opportunity for growth. I mean, growth is in the in the phrasing. So I think we're um, constantly encouraging each other for and pushing each other forward, but we're also having grace in those moments. And I think this was a really important one to me just because I think back on my journey with worship and um, when I started really seriously doing worship bleeding. I was in high school and I don't have a lot of videos of (laughs) when that was happening, but I can tell you that it was not always pretty. And I'm just so thankful that in those moments when I was learning and growing and figuring it all out, that someone didn't come up to me and say, you know, Julia, I don't think this is for you. Like, I think you need to step aside and, you know, find something else. Right. And, um, people had so much grace for me in those moments. And I know if I hadn't gotten that, that I would not be doing it. Obviously I would have been extremely discouraged and I probably would have quit and never done it again. And so I, I recognize that grace that I've gotten and I want to continue to pass that on and see other people have that same opportunity to grow in the gifting that God has given them. Yeah, and I think it it goes both ways. People need to um, be gracious in how they communicate areas of improvement. Mm -hmm. People also need to be gracious in how they receive it. So you know, if someone's going to say, "Hey, this could be different or this could be better," it's not that's not a personal criticism as much as if we're all here to get better, let's all be here to get better. And so I think that was kind of the point we tried to drive home is that it goes both ways. Yeah. we have le- legitimately some professional level musicians on our team. <laughs> yes, and, we're and, very blessed. Yes. And so, you know, we have just talked a lot and told them, like, that we need to point out. And then we, and then we have hacks like me. Sorry, I didn't even finish the sentence. <laughs> no, then, then we no, have people no. who are definitely not professional level musicians. And so we just need to have grace uh, with each other. And um, when, when someone needs to... It, it, you know, it just comes down to relationship and yeah. it just comes down to like uh, realizing what the most important thing is. I mean, if the most important thing is glorifying God, then don't take personal offense when you have an area for improvement, mm. you know, understand yeah. that uh, that's really the goal. All right. And so then that kind of leads right into um, core value number three, which is musical proficiency and excellence. Um, perfection is not the goal and it's not even attainable. But preparedness is absolutely something we can do as musicians. And so it's really just this idea of, um, you know, working on your craft more than just Mm -hmm. Sunday morning, working on, um, you know, growing as a singer. That's going to look different for everybody, what they're willing to do, what they're able to invest. I understand all that, but just this idea. And we've tried to put uh, some really good kind of self-teaching YouTube videos Mm -hmm. in people's inboxes and stuff to help them as singers or help people as musicians or whatever the case is uh, to just kind of keep advancing the ball so that we are all growing in that because it is a gift and it is a talent that we've been given. And so our goal is to just always be growing in it. So um, that really speaks to it. But also um, kind of along that grace for growth idea, not uh, we're going to make mistakes. We're human Mm -hmm. beings. It happens. Um, I think probably one of the most liberating things as a worship leader that has been for me, my wife is not at all musical. 
And so regularly we will talk after Sunday and I'll tell, I'll give her the, the, you know, I'll decompress what happened on stage, Mm -hmm. what, what my service was like. And this got missed and that transition got blown and this person wanted to hurt that person. And we had to play referee, (laughs) you know, all these different things. And then she'll literally just look at me and be like, yeah, I I couldn't, I didn't see any of that. It was great. She's like, you guys crushed it, you know? And so it's just kind of this reminder that, um, we have a lot going on in our in-ear monitors and, in our preparation and in our conversations, and there's a lot of moving parts. At the end of the day, if our goal is to glorify God and we put on a great worship experience and the atmosphere and the spirit is moving, everything is just like firing on all cylinders, that's the goal. Yeah. Perfection never was the goal. Yeah. You know, that's not an excuse for mistakes. We're not going to go in there and recklessly make mistakes, but it's just kind of <laughs> finding, the, finding the balance of, you know, it's okay to be human beings and right. to um, to just kind of work through some of that stuff. So that's yeah. really the idea behind it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's musical proficiency and excellence. And then lastly would be spiritual preparedness. And this is kind of speaking to each individual person coming in spiritually prepared. Yeah. And I think um, our thought process with this was uh, we had a couple of different words, I think, that we were tossing around that we we're thinking about using to go around this spiritual aspect and like personal growth with the Lord and how we kind of wanted to phrase it and word it and convey it best to our team. And I think spiritual prepared preparedness, which we landed on, um, is really great. And I think it just really summarizes the fact that same as with Grace for Growth, like we have people coming on our team that have been Christians their entire lives. And we also have people that got saved last week. And I think spiritual preparedness looks different for the person who's been a Christian for 40 years than it does for the person who got saved last week. And so I think always keeping that in mind. And um, I don't think it lets anyone off the hook in any way. Um, That wasn't our goal at all, but just that we would constantly be pursuing our relationship with Jesus, whatever that looks like for us personally. And I think for us as leaders, I think um, there's quite a bit of responsibility in this part for us that we're checking in with the te- with our team members and making sure that they're continually putting God first. I think um, you and I, Quint, could probably talk about times where we maybe where our relationship with God hasn't been the top priority and that was reflected in what Sunday mornings maybe looked like or how we felt after a Sunday morning. And so I think setting up our team for success and making sure that they're having those moments with the Lord where he's speaking to them and revealing fresh and new things so that when um, they come on a Sunday morning, it's an outpouring of that personal time with God. And um, do you have any thoughts on? No, yeah, I totally agree. And I think that it just, um, as you're talking, I'm just like realizing and being reminded of how, um, how big the job really is and how, um, sometimes we do try to simplify it down to just like, Hey, here's the three songs and (laughs) make sure you know where the bridge is and, you know, just all that. But ultimately our goal, um, is to set the pace, is to be an example. Um, and what we said, I remember when we kind of went over this for the first time with our team and you're right, spiritual preparedness, um, does look different for every single person. Um, not because God is different, but because Mm -hmm. people are different, right? And so I think that what we said was, if nothing else, everyone in this room can pray on their drive-in, Lord, less of me and more of you today, right? Even that is a great place to start for spiritual preparedness. 
God, yeah. less of me and more of you. And again, that's true for for the congregation member who's yeah. not on the worship team. Yeah. On your drive-in, is it God, less of me and more of you? And then let's see how that changes your church experience in 2021. Yeah. And I think it's just as true for those of us on stage. And so it's, you know, it's just this constant humbling of ourselves mm-hmm. is really what we're after yeah. as Christians, whether we're musician Christians or not. That's really the goal. And that is what I believe blesses the church body the most. That's yeah. what blesses the entire congregation the most is when we're all seeking that from a place of humility mm. and not from a place of critique or mm-hmm. a place of uh, experience, a place of, uh, yeah. you know, whatever. All those, there's, I said to a friend yesterday, actually, we were talking about some of this. And I said, you know, there's a big difference between no, as a musician, or a band member, there's a big difference between noticing something in a service that is off mm-hmm. and and kind of being like, mm-hmm. oh, that could have been, and, and yeah. critiquing it, yeah, right? Yeah. There's a vast difference between noticing something off and and kind of like, oh, I guess that could have been better if mm-hmm. X, Y, Z, yeah. and coming in with a heightened critical spirit mm-hmm. looking for <laughs> everything that yeah. might be off that could be better if X, Y, Z, right? Like those two things are night and day difference. And I think what we have to be careful of as Christians, you start going down that road, it's fine to notice things that could be better and to critique them. Mm -hmm. I've done that professionally for five years. Like after every Sunday, what was wrong yesterday and how can we fix it for the next week? But what you have to be careful of is you don't want to fall into this trap of this critical spirit of, Mm -hmm. oh, if my pastor had done X, Mm. oh man, that's the same that they welcome to church the same way every week. Can't they think of a different <laughs> way to say the nurseries to your left, my right? Like, yeah. or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and it's just, yeah, I think that's the trap we have to, yeah. we have to be careful of. And when yeah. we're praying on the drive in, God, less of me yes. and more of you. Yeah. We're also, we can also pray less of everybody else mm-hmm. and more of you. Cause again, our goal and our, our role is to disappear up there. Yeah. I don't want to be the, the shining star of this yeah. thing, you know? So anyways, th- those are just some, I mean, that kind of rolled into a bit of a tangent, I suppose, but that's mm-hmm. really the heart behind spiritual preparedness yeah. and man, how the church would look different mm-hmm. as everything's so divisive, politics are a mess, the, the gov- everything's just a, a tire <laughs> fire right now. Yeah. And I think if we all could just return to less of me mm-hmm. and what I want yeah. and my, my agenda yeah. and just more of you, Jesus. Yeah. I think we're just going to have an awesome year. I yeah. think we're going to be on the right track and we're going to be returning to our first love, yeah. which is what it's all about. Yeah, no, so. it's so good. And I think, like you're saying, like when we were putting all of these together, our main goal was that like when we walk off the stage, these are the four questions that we're asking. Right. Was God glorified? Did we give each other grace? Were we musically proficient and excellent? And then were we spiritually prepared? And I think that takes a lot of the other stuff out of it. Right. Like we're not walking off the stage and saying like, oh, did so-and-so play the right guitar part? Or did so-and-so sing the right harmony? It sounded really off. Right. We're asking these four questions. And those two things are a part of these four, but they're not the end-all be-all. And mm-hmm. I think when we put our focus, and obviously, like you said earlier, these are things that God revealed to us for our church at this time. They might change in a year. They might be the same in 10 years. But I think um, 
specifically for right now when we're asking these questions, it just gives us so much more freedom to focus then on what's God doing, what's he speaking to us, what does he want to use us for, how does he want to be glorified through us, Um, and like you're saying, that's how we get back to what worship was really intended to be. Yeah, absolutely, so good. All right, well, I hope that this has um, brought some clarity to your life, blessed you, and uh, whether you're you're a musician or not, um, hopefully you walk away with just some things that you can apply in your everyday, ordinary life, as Romans 12 says, um, you know, to walk closer with God, to lead people better. Um, kind of a big thought to wrap up with, but if everything we do is worship, and we all have the ability to lead people in our lives, whether it's our kids, our spouses, our family, whatever, then really we're all worship leaders. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so we all have the ability to lead, to set, a, to set a pace for those that follow us and show them how we are going to choose to redirect our time, our talent, our treasure in 2021 in a worshipful way. So hopefully that blesses you. Uh, As you can tell, I could talk about this for hours, but (laughs) we will leave it go there. Thank you so much, Julia, for joining uh, in on this first episode. And hopefully uh, going forward, this is a great tool for our team, but also just for anybody uh, on on the topic of worship. So we'll catch you next time on the Quintessential Ministry Podcast. Thanks so much for listening.